Okay, this is a 30-second commercial, and I'm going to throw a lot of numbers at you, but please stay with me. In just 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. This company has been offering great rates and great service for over 75 years, and anytime you need help, you can speak to one of their trained specialists 24-7. That company is Geico. Go to geico.com today. Sorry for all the numbers. And in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, I'm out of time. Now, Podcast One brings you Spike's Car Radio. A downloadable Cars and Coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Spike's Car Radio. How are you? Hope you're having a good time. Hope you're in your shop. Hope you're driving safely and not like Zuckerman. Um, and we're here to make your life a little bit easier. People like to listen to this show, Zuckerman. Do you like the fans? Do you interact with the fans a lot? I do. Yeah. I, I'm surprised that they're... If there's even someone who knows my name or knows me, but I'm always surprised and happy. I'm always surprised and happy. People do impressions of you. <clears throat> You've made quite uh, quite an impression on the American uh, car public and listeners of all, the show. All s- five people. Um, all six. There all are six, six now. Yeah, we Listen. added we added another guy. <clears throat> so what's going on, Zuckerman? You, we we have a lot to uh, talk about today. My throat. Listen to my throat. Listen to it. Well, you heard, seem very, going. You seem, <coughs> you seem like going. a low, low energy Ferris What's <coughs> the matter? I'm trying to wake up. There you go. Look, look, it just came back. Okay. It's Flam. Monday morning. It's 9 a.m. I, uh, I've been eating very healthfully for like six days, six and a half, and I get to last night and I decide to go bonkers. All right? What does that mean for me? Means you should, have, looking, this you should exciting, have a good right? cry. You should you should be in a fetal position on the kitchen floor, naked and weeping. Well, you I get could... to I get to this point. You know, I, I don't care what you have to say, Zuckerman. Let me let me tell you what I'm talking about. And and if you, those of you who stay in shape know this, if you get on you get on a good run, you get to the point where people go, "You better stop." Especially if you're old guys like us, right? They go, "You're starting to look you're starting to look a little too thin. It's <laughs> starting to look a little sick." Right, and I got there maybe Thursday and decided to take it a few more days, and then Sunday night last night I went bonkers. What's, what do you consider to be bonkers? All right, well, you, bon- had a, you had a scoop of ice cream. I ate, you had an M M&M? and M. At least a pint of ice cream. No scoop? Are you kidding? I had two steaks. I ate half a baguette, <laughs> a really long one that was as tall as I am. Mashed potatoes. I went the full distance. I had one of those Bill's chocolate chip cookies, a pint of some crazy combination of ice you cream You are going to have a very satisfying <laughs> follow-up to that meal, I predict. I predict. I've had it twice. Wow. <clears throat> but I'm a little tired because of this you're, binge that I you're had. You're wrung out <laughs> from the after effects. <laughs> I am. And here's what I don't understand. Why, why are we in this cycle? Like, why do I never learn that this is not going to be – it wasn't fun. It was horrible. It was like okay. laying on the floor. Food is one of the is one of the senses that we like to stimulate. It's a, <laughs> it's as good. If for some people it's, it's as good as drugs, gambling, drinking, you name it. It satisfies. Well, anyway, that's why I'm a little tired uh, today. We have a very well, funny guest with us, uh, Wayne Fetterman. He's on the show primarily because his last name is like mine. I want to talk about Fetterman and Zuckerman and Ferriston. <laughs> right, oh. that's it. Secondarily, he's got a history of stand-up podcasts that I'm really into and want to talk to him about. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Car Zuckerman. Um, <clears throat> somebody reached out to me, don't remember who on Instagram, wanted us to talk about how do we feel about 996s. I think we've covered a little bit of that before. What are your feelings on the 996 this morning? 
before we continue on. I have always considered the 996 a do-not-buy zone, an ugly stepchild. Really? Uh, yeah. Did you ever see my black GT3? I like that. I did like that, but I never have been a fan of the 996. There was something <clears> about <throat> the shoddy interior, the funny right. headlights, the teak kettle it. sound. It like never, sound. It never appealed to me. Mm-hmm. Even when I was driving it around down, this is back when we, I think, lived on Doheny That's next correct. to each other, and I was up and down the street in that I thing. What about that, that wing? I, I like that wing now. Okay, that was the only valid 996 I had ever seen. That, that 996 I could get behind. A GT3 was a real man's car along right. with a GT2. Right. Those were two valid ones, but I never uh, have felt a true need to dip my toe into that water. I do believe that a 996 RS is also... A cool car. Yeah, but they didn't bring those. They in. didn't bring them, but they, it's going to be 25 years before you know it, old man. <sighs> That's true. And I, and I know a few uh, folks have brought them over anyways. They, yeah. don't, they don't seem to care. And they, they, had, they were the ones. That was that first GT3 were, were the GT3 RS, right, where they right. just thought, we're not going to bring it here, and we went bonkers. Right. What about, but now, you know, folks listening think about the engine problems with these cars. The intermediate shaft bearing, right? Oh, I've got that problem, too. Do you? Yes, in my nether regions. <laughs> in my plenum. In my plenum and taproot. <clears throat> Your shaft? My intermediate <clears throat> shaft bearing. But what do you do? You, I mean, I, I've, you and I don't really care about such things. I don't even know if there's a way to prove yes. To prevent this. There is an update. There is a fix. I think it was the first series. It was the 996.1 that suffered from those right. particularly badly. Mm-hmm. But by the time it was in the 2000s and, and later later versions did not have that. I think if you... know you... I went through two engines on my GT3. Did right? you? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> you did? They were covered under warranty. Yeah. But they kept finding metal metal shards in the oil. Kind of like that. It, it was like that... Uh, 991 GT3, the 2014. Yeah. That would catch on fire. Mm -hmm. These things happen. And didn't they repurpose those engines? Where did those engines end up? Who uh, just told me they ended up in some new cars? Really? Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes. Were they, are they ours? We got to, you know. I never heard that. They tore them down and they, I I would have figured they would have Yeah, those engines got reinstalled somewhere. I love that. And someone else is going to catch fire. (laughs) Well, you have some 996 news. Well, I do. We're discussing it. I do. And And this is good news. And we're going to share this news with you, the audience. And all we ask is you don't tell Jerry Seinfeld about it. All right? And if you have five, and since we have six listeners, it's not going to be a problem. (laughs) I Uh, think there are more than six. Okay, six and And there are certainly people, I mean, if if we're, John, uh, my business partner, was down in San Diego and someone ran up to him to congratulate him on producing this podcast, which he does not produce. (laughs) (laughs) He had no idea who this guy was. I hope he took credit. Yeah, so it's it's weird what's happening with this, but he did not, no. Well, I'll Um, tell you what happened. I tell you what happened. Okay, now remember, this is a secret, everybody listening. This is a secret that's just us. It's me, you, Zuckerman. It's Will. It's maybe Wayne who's listening out right. there. And also, uh, don't tell Jerry. Wherever you see him on the road, do not tell him this story. Because right. we want to surprise him. It's going to be a surprise. So we're, we're going to see if our listenership will follow instructions. So 
When I went to, <clears throat> a few weeks ago, I right. was in Houston, and I dropped in on Ray Joseph, who we call Ray J. Ray J at RPM Motorsports. He is a character. He One of knows the original m- websites that I used to. He's he's got a site separated between the cars for sale and my private collection, collection <laughs> which may be for sale for all sorts. Also of- for sale. <laughs> what I really like about Ray he <clears throat> is <throat> he is the direct descendant of clever cattle salesman he just never he just if you say ray what's the, there's no prices on his side if you mm-hmm. ask him what's the price of that car he goes well well let me think and let me get back to you and right. he plays it out really long and really drawn out and uh it's it, it's a, a strategy that's worked for him you'll see he's in texas houston houston and you'll notice okay. that his one he, of the street racing capitals of the united states is that right yes sir and you'll also notice that his Illegal his, street racing, his I mean. sites his site has not been updated in about twenty years. Right. Uh, you now can't... I'm at RPM Motorsports, but that's not it. That's at, that's the wrong one. It's RPM Sports Cars. RPM Sports, sports car, Cars. Right. Or RPM Porsche. I gave up on this guy because his prices were astronomical. Well, but what? How do you do? You is he? Will he negotiate with you? He will negotiate with you. Oh, but yeah, again, oh boy, you, it's oh. torture to negotiate with him. It's by nickels and dimes, and he tells you, "Ah, well, I have, I have twenty thousand dollars in that car." No, no, Ray, you, you're paying some guy eight bucks an hour, and if you were charging retail for his work, and someone was paying it, maybe they would pay twenty thousand. Right. But what did you buy? The nine nine six GT two. In Adriatic Blue. Adriatic Blue. Now, this is Jerry Seinfeld's former car. I know this car very well. This yeah. is the GT2 that I drove around Willow, and it scared the hell out of me. What year? Uh, what year was I there? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I don't know. It must have been, what, 2002? Yeah, it would have to be shortly after that, maybe the following year. 2003. Right, right. So we're talking, you haven't seen this car in 15 years? No. This is what... Uh, at the time, made me say I will never own a GT2 because I was driving in Willow and I went across through the straightaway, through little turns. I was coming around the backside and there's a little bit of twist there. And I got on it at 80 and the rear end came out and I corrected, but then I brought the car in. I just said, this is this is a car that's going to kill me and I don't have the skill to drive it yet, right? Today, sitting before you, I have the skill to handle that car. But I remember thinking, this is a scary 911. That at 80 miles an hour, I can be spinning those back wheels by just getting on it, right? Right. It's an incredible car. Have you driven this car? Never. Okay. And it and I remember Jerry ordering Adriatic Blue. I mean, it's the only Adriatic Blue one, if I'm not mistaken, right? One of right? one. One of one, paint to sample. I believe he sold that car to uh, Sam Cabiglio. He, that's after, true. Right? That's and true. Sam wanted it immediately. Um, and this might have been right around the time. No, I don't remember. It was probably offered to me, and I, I just laughed. There's, there's no way. And then where did it go after Sam? It, it, that I don't know, and Ray would know better. We should, we could even try calling him up. But okay, he would, so, so this is great. So it ends up there. It ends up there, and I happen to pop in to see Ray. I'd, I'd been on in Houston on business. I was not expecting to see Ray. And Did you know the car was there? I did not even. I did not know the car was there, and I walked into his... Oh, I'm looking at it right yeah, now. And, and 
So I had a couple extra hours. I called Ray. Ray was going to be going to the movies to see that Adolf Eichmann movie. And I said, why bother going there? <laughs> Just hang out with me. And, uh, and so... Is there an Eichmann movie? Yeah, there is. There oh, my is. God. It's horrible. Right? So it's said, not called Predator? That's not that movie? It's a different movie. Okay. And so uh, he said he would meet me at the shop. We drove to the shop, uh, his place over there uh, in a weird part of Houston. <laughs> yep. Um, Across from a, a mega church, a mega church, and he let us in, and we were looking around, and in the corner, underneath the lift, the far corner, underneath the lift, in the dark, I said, "What the hell is that, Ray?" And he said, "Funny, you should ask." And his twang, <laughs> "Funny, you should ask." I can't do it. Can you do a Texas accent? No, but let me give you some stats on this car: Adriatic blue black, fourteen thousand one hundred miles. Now listen to this. The only Adriatic blue one, but also one of only three paint-to-sample 996 GT2s. That's right. So there were only three paint-to-sample, period. One in Adriatic blue. Special factory build for a noted celebrity VIP Porsche collector. <laughs> I mean, collector. Well, everybody knows who that is at that point, right? Isn't Jerry the only guy who gets that? With custom-exclusive options, including graphics, black mirrors, and special interior features, sports seats, paint-to-match, carbon interior. Jerry pioneered a lot of these uh, paint-to-match sports seats. Didn't you he? see the picture the of roof that? roof liner and AB pillars in leather. That's a weird choice, Jerry. Aluminum instrument tiles. I like that. Porsche crest on the headrest, recent service, window sticker, show quality, finest available. This car is so beautiful. And your plan now, you've bought it? I bought it. And what's the, And you're going to do what to Jerry with it? Because he... He likes to do this to us. He does. He has, on time to time, I've seen this car around on the internet, and he has expressed remorse about not having it. And my plan is, is that... He'll be, say, at the Malibu Kitchen with you, and I will pull up. He's going to be here this weekend. I, don't, I won't have it in time, I don't think. And I will pull up with this car. In his car. And say, hey, how do you like my car? <laughs> That's going to be awesome. Yes. That's going to be a great moment. And you see, now we've shared this fun with you, and we'll have to find a way to record this. I'll record it on my phone. And then we'll play it for, with the with the audience. But you please don't tell Jerry what our little plan is here. You'll hear this before this moment will happen for sure. And I promise you, I will record his reaction and play it on the show. But Zuckerman, you are to be applauded. This is a fantastic plan. Very expensive plan, I'm guessing. A very expensive plan just to get a rise out <laughs> just of Just to get a rise. Seinfeld. Do you think that you will be able to use this as a bargaining chip to loosen a car from Jerry's collection? We could only hope. And if you did, what would what car would that be? I think I know what that car would be. But maybe not. Maybe you're not interested in well, anymore. Is it the Targa yes. that I found him years ago, the yes. 71? Tell us about that car. <clears throat> it has 0. 0.0 miles. It's a new 1971 911 Targa, right? Do you remember the story behind it? I believe it was a was supposed to be used as a police car, but it sustained some damage and never went into rotation, right? So it, right. It, it, it had... I think six or seven hundred original miles on it, That's and that right. was it. And it was a Dutch. The Dutch always oh, wanted an open right. top car. Remember, the Dutch were very funny about this. They uh, they liked they liked cabriolets, three fifty six cabriolets. You remember mm -hmm. that the three fifty six production stopped in early sixty five, and they the Dutch police actually went to Porsche in sixty six 
and got Porsche to make them 10 more 356 Cabriolets in 1966, over a year after production had ended. Right. Then they they liked the Targ. When the Targ came into uh, service, they started using those Mm -hmm. as police cars. And so in in 71, they had ordered this car, and somehow it sustained front fender damage. It went back to the factory, and it stayed in the factory until 2012, was it? 13? Until I saw it in the back of a magazine. I believe it was Excellence. Yeah. Back when you could just find these things just sitting there, and nobody would move on them. Right. Because it was in another country, or it had a dent in it. (laughs) Right. And so what year was that? Gosh, I don't know. That was a long time ago. Was it a long time ago? Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't more than 10 years? There was no internet listing, I'll tell you that. And it was, and and I know it it had to be Excellence Magazine, and it was like this tiny little ad in the back. And, you know, but think about that. No one is moving on that car. It's got no miles on it, and it's it's month after month. It's just sitting in the back of a magazine. And I finally, I'm like to Jerry, I'm like, why don't you import this thing? He's like, all right, <laughs> and buys it. And it's the greatest. I've driven that car several times. It is an incredible experience to drive that car because it it is what I imagine it would be like to drive a car uh, new in 1971. It has it, it delivers. It, it does. It, it, and it, it has delivers. that magic juju to it. Yeah. There's something about the car that just has a special aura, or you know yeah. what I'm talking about? It's no, weird. It's, you, it's, it's new. It's, it's a new. new car, and it's something you can't feel in a restoration. It's something you can't feel in a in a preservation car with a lot of miles on it. It's a. It's just. It's new. It's factory. I think it new. has what 1,400 miles on it now. I don't know. And it's a creamy. It's got a creamy white. It's got the black top. It's got the stainless hoop. It just looks so good and it's and it's got an excellent plan it's got a 2.2 liter engine it's a t but it has those zenith carburetors that just work so good there's no shortage of power there's no shortage of handling and reactive now you what do you think you'll like the what if you like this car this adriatic blue car then maybe jerry will have to pony up more it's all (laughs) it's everything has a price so we'll have to see Uh, and he may and you know him he's he's he does sometimes uh, operate on a whim he may have to have it and he may just say that's terrific you are sitting pretty zuckerman you think so sitting pretty on this one it is a really good looking car and i've never thought that a 996 was a good looking car but in that color in that you're gonna love it have you driven a 996 gt2 lately no they're great they're so fun do you realize seven gt2s they're all they're they're a blast they're light they're mechanical you know it's really fun to be shifting gears on them they're really uh Hopefully the prices will come down because they can't compare performance-wise to the new stuff, but they are fun weekend well, drivers. put it this way. This is 10% of what a 993 GT2 <clears throat> would cost. Right. This I have seen 964s that are more expensive than this. All right, There's all sorts of things that are way more expensive than this car. Right. Yeah. I love it. Well, it's very exciting. Um, before we go, we're going to bring Wayne Fetterman out in a minute. Um I just want to thank all the folks at Hodinkee. We had a nice time with them here in town, didn't we? That was really nice. They, they uh, the nice... Hodinkee.com, the watch fellas, the, 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 what we are to Porsches, uh, Ben Clymer and his crew are to watches, and they had this uh, week-long event. They really know how to promote themselves. They had a UTA art space. They had the Leaf Green 911T in there, which I sold to Ennery, who is the CEO of the company, that we sold to him on display in front of that 
art was fantastic, that, wasn't it? What is that building? You know what that building That's is. That's an art space for UTA, United Talent Agency. So it is such a fantastic Creative space. space of some kind. Right. And it's... So they had watches. They had the car there. They had uh, this watch here. I'm wearing this prototype Octavia Orange Boy that they're making. Now, you've heard me uh, talk about watches from time to time. You've heard me talk about the Sifford Octavia that Caliber 11 did with Tag Heuer, right? Hodinkee has one coming out right now. And they are not going to make many of them. This watch is so beautiful in person. I've been uh, I've been wearing the wherever I go. People are uh, complimenting me on this watch, it's Zuckerman. Beautiful. It's they're Tag Heuer's. They're not like Rolexes. They're not expensive. Go to Hodinkee.com, and I'm telling you, buy one of these. You will not be sorry because they're not going to make a lot of them. I love the Hodinkee there isn't, story. There isn't a big you know opportunity to buy limited edition watches out there, and this one happens to be a killer. But I don't want to give the prototype back. I'm going to be honest with you, right? Keep it. <laughs> you should tell Ben Klein. I believe you want. there are two. Right. And so how do I handle that, Zuckerman? You're good at difficult You're conversations. Cool. It's not a difficult Ben. I've kind of bonded with this watch. How do you feel about me keeping the prototype? Would that be okay? If it's not, I understand. What's so hard about that? I don't want to be a pig, but I'd like this. I really like this one on but my I wrist. I am a pig. It's all right to be a pig. It's all right to be a pig. They made a Broadway play called Kinky Boots, right, which is a failing boot well, Where company. is this going? Yeah. I'm going to tell you something. Okay. Because Hurry up, Houdinki, we have to go. Houdinki's kind of like this. Climbers out of Wall Street. What am yes. I going to do? I'm going to sell straps, watch <laughs> straps, and he's made his life out of straps. Who would think straps, straps. in great content? I understand. Great watch, writing, and now they're selling new watches. They have deals with all of the watch I companies, and they're, but it's, it's really straps. What an operation they got! I tell going you what, on. Ferriston, we're going into straps. <laughs> straps are the future. <laughs> they are. <laughs> And he's got quite a car collection That's going That's right. Too. Straps of the future. All right. We'll be right back with Spike's Car Radio and Wayne Fetterman. Let's talk about Amsoil. You know why I like Amsoil? Because they're a bunch of car people. They're gearheads. They're into all kinds of power sports, and basically they get it. Recently, Amsoil created a guide to increasing horsepower in your vehicle. It has insider tips from some of the best in the business on coaxing more power out of your engine. You can get your copy free at Amsoil.com slash spike. Amsoil.com slash spike. While there, find out more about Amsoil Synthetic Motor Oil too, like how Amsoil Signature Series Synthetic Motor Oil delivers 75% more engine protection against horsepower loss and wear than required by a leading industry standard. Go to amsoil.com slash spike to get your free insider's guide to increasing horsepower. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. Welcome back to Spike's Car Radio. We're here with uh, Wayne Fetterman. Who else? The phone calls just keep rolling in for me this morning. Now, oh, okay. Wayne, you I get, let's just call you a comedian, right? Yes. But you're so many different I'm things. Many things. You're many things, including your USC comedy professor That's now. That's new. That's relatively new. But wow, that I want to hear Professor Fetterman. Yes, professor <laughs> Fetterman. Fetterman. What is it like having that last name, by the way? Because you're very close to mine. Is it difficult? I love it. Is it? Do you do you have trouble with spellings? Um, once in a while, people double D it. That's about it. That's How about it. you? You have the weird IE and all of that stuff, right? It's a mess. Yeah, It's yeah, a constantly yeah. a mess. It's, it's, you know, it's a I debacle. Named... Let me ask you a question. Okay. I don't know you that well. We go back a little bit. Right. I was actually on the pilot of your talk show. I don't you know, were. On the run-through or something. Do you remember that at all? What were you doing in that? I don't know. You were interviewing Someone, me. Erica, my wife, reminded me Jason Bateman <laughs> was in that, too. And I said, he was? 
Okay. So, so you have no many, memory. You have no I memory. I don't remember. No, but tell me what tell me what you were in. It I want to know. Matter. I know it does. I'm curious. I don't know. You had that talk show, and there was. I remember the talk show. And the, when we were doing, <laughs> we more. did six. See, the, the reason I probably don't remember is because we did six pilots, and then we did one pilot in the very, very beginning. Yeah, I and don't know which. I'll tell you which one. I, I know you're the, tight with Joe Fury. I know right? this. Yeah, yeah. I okay. know the set was on the uh, best damn sports yes, set. Yes. Right. So, right. So one. Anyway, this is so that's so, six six pilots. Okay, no, I want to break this down now. I want I've got to know what you oh, did on the this OCD. show. You interviewed me. You were working on your interviewing skills. Oh, you were you were one of the guests. Yes. Oh my gosh, my poor memory Jesus. is shot. How did you slot into that group? Because that's Jason Bateman. Jerry Seinfeld. I don't know. Wayne I, Fetterman. People know me. <laughs> Did you comedian. do stand-up? Yeah, I've been doing stand-up since the early 80s. Oh, my God. Now yeah. i got to track down this show. Yeah. Was yeah. it a good experience? It must have been horrifying. I no, didn't know how to great. interview at it was that very, point. You still are bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it was this a guy. Little better. <laughs> it was a little better now than I am then. Well, thank you for doing that. You're very you welcome. You know the show went on for three years? Very yeah, successful. Of course, of course. It's very successful. <clears throat> thank you. I owe you, I owe you that. Wow. Well, now I'm You're here welcome. to return the favor. You're welcome. And do a real I can interview. talk about cars. I can talk about... Well, we don't want to talk about cars you don't. today. Okay. We, we just did. We just yeah, did yeah, 15 okay. minutes Jews. on cars. We could talk about Jews. We, we <laughs> can do all of that. We <laughs> yeah. talk about... Um, so anyway, but you this have a is question. a relatively new thing, this um, USC, being a USC professor. Right, And right. it's just... It's a class. It's advanced stand-up. They already have a beginning stand-up. Do you remember oh. Craig Anton, the comedian? I, no. I, I know who he is. I yeah. saw the glaze in your eyes when I brought up his name. Because I have a different question altogether about USC. Yeah. <clears throat> do you approach them, or do they go, hey, we want to do a comedy major? What? Well, first of all, there's no comedy major. There are comedy majors now in the first time in the, okay. this country. Because I'm now doing also a podcast <clears throat> about the history of stand-up. Right. And... Uh, but that they don't have a comedy major. This is at the School of Dramatic Arts, and there's nothing more dramatic than stand-up, right? Mm-hmm. And so, no, Craig Anton, who's a comedian and actor, started the started teaching stand-up because we're in this comedy boom that's been going on, fueled by the internet. Right. So, I was a guest <clears throat> lecturer in the class. You know, talked about my stuff, talked to the kids, inspired them. With my story <laughs> coming from Plantation, how many, Florida. How many kids in the audience? Is that one of those big halls? <laughs> I like the way you. <clears throat> no, like I wish. 300. I know, like the paper chase. Yeah, something. yeah. No, no, no. No, it's like a little. It's it's you know. I'd say twenty kids. Oh my gosh. And like a little like room. What's okay. the name of the class? <clears throat> well, the, my class is is stand up two, the one I teach. Cause, right. So they are in order to get to Professor Fetterman. You've got to get through stand up one. So and so I teach stand up and comedy history. And what happens in stand up one? I'm fascinated by all of this, by the way. And it's, by the way, I, I would have taken this class. This is the structure I needed. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. To kind of do um, this. It's just you know, the, it's the first class. They mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Judith uh, Shelton teaches it, and she's <clears throat> excuse me, and she just teaches. You know, they they go up. It's basically just a performance class, right? So you go up and. You try to find your own voice, and you try so, to develop maybe three to five minutes over the course of the and semester. And you're standing up, and every almost every every <clears throat> class, everybody there's a microphone, is getting up. There's a microphone, oh my God. your thing, and then she gives you notes, and you get feedback, <clears throat> and you try to. <laughs> and how do you know the history of stand up? How oh, did you learn this? Me? Well, <clears throat> I, you know, because I've been at stand up since uh, 
you know, the early 80s. And uh, before that, I was super comedy nerd. <clears throat> before that <clears throat> term even existed. So, oh, my gosh. I, I don't even want to get into, I don't want to get into the history yet. And who does? <clears throat> who does? <clears throat> that, I think, is a separate act. This Trying to teach somebody stand-up comedy is fascinating. Yeah, let's go. You can't yeah. teach talent, can you? <clears throat> you can't. Yes, you can't. You're exactly that's the right. First, okay. Well, that's the problem. This is the first class I say. I say nothing I will teach you or say to you will be as important as you, you. getting on stage and doing stand-up. But There's it nothing. must be. Like yeah. Zuckerman, part of the reason Zuckerman's even here yeah. is he's a lawyer. He's got mm-hmm. his own law firm. Right. But I noticed right away he was kind of a stand-up comedian. Right, he had a, that he, rhythm. He's got a good rhythm. Yeah, he's yeah. funny. He kind of looks funny. He's, he has an ability to make you laugh. There's an intelligence to what he says. Uh-huh. He's got a, a very distinct point of view, right? All very there important. aren't a lot of friends in my life like him. <laughs> so in your class, I'm yeah. saying – it, you know, I imagine that maybe 90% of the kids, maybe even more, really shouldn't be pursuing comedy. Well, it's, you make a good point. <laughs> <Is it> more? <laughs> and, and what is, you know. And, and let me, at the and, beginning, it bothered me a little bit because I was okay. like, this is my time. You know, right. I want to be with people who are passionate as mm-hmm. I am. But that's just not going to be the case. Some people are right. like engineering students are like, mm-hmm. maybe this will help me loosen up in business situations or something like that. So, that's unfortunately. Unfortunately, that's the case. But there's, there's so it's a just few... any any of that experience of just getting up and talking is just you find educational, even though there may not be a yeah. comedy career. And there is, a, I mean, there is a certain. I mean, we do break down, you know, comedians act and like, what is he doing? Is he doing an act out? Right. Is he doing a callback? Right. Is he doing first person narrative? Is he like we? So by the end, <clears throat> they have an understanding. So when they see a comic, they're like, oh, at least I kind of know what's going on more than oh, he's. He's killing or he's bombing, it, it, you which know, is the normal. <clears throat> right. And I mean, part of the reason. Yes. So let, let's go back now to, and I know there's that one fan out there. When I wrote for David Letterman. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I wrote for David Letterman, you know, for of five course. years. Five years. And <clears throat> you still get any residuals from that? Yeah. Once in a while, I would assume. Probably. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to do stand-up back then. <clears throat> and here was my situation. I didn't have a guy like you. I didn't... Uh, at the time, I didn't really know any comedians. I was just in this writer's room all the time. And I couldn't quite get in my head, since I'm uh, writing comedy for this guy, um, that's, you, know, you know, it's a pretty big comedy job. I couldn't get it straight in my head that I would then walk out of that uh, office mm-hmm. and then onto a stage and would start bombing all over the place. You can clear your throat on this show. No, Nobody, good, nobody gives a shit. Are you just burping? Are you throwing up? Retching, oh, I was trying to do it. Where we notice everything here. All right. No, it doesn't matter. But you know what I mean? I didn't have anybody like you to go, hey, you got to get up on but stage nobody did five that. nights a week and bomb. Like, to me, I thought if I bomb that first night, yeah. this is the end. They're going to fire me on Letterman. Would you right? ever talk to your buddy Jerry Seinfeld about his first time I on stage? I didn't know Jerry at the time. Would you ever talk to him about his first time on stage? I've talked to everybody at this point about it, and now I now I understand it that you're supposed to get up there and bomb for about a year to try even, and find your not, act. But it's but, not even about bombing and stuff because some people do <clears throat> well their first time. Yeah, but they never quite capture it in the second and third time. Like I've heard that story yeah, before. Yeah. Like that first time they go up and it was it was great, and then they try to recapture the magic. <clears throat> but it, but I guess what I was trying to say was I was so afraid that this would hurt my reputation as a writer that I never. Right, I see. Okay, do you see what but, I'm saying? Yeah, that course, I would be walking into the office the next morning. I was completely wrongheaded in thinking of it. And I really wish I had pursued it back then because it's really a young man's game. The question for you is, 
<clears throat> All right, I'm coming around to this. I statement. love it. I love it. <clears throat> Excuse God, me. What's wrong There's a lot with you? of yeah. It's uh, allergies. Flam. It's ice cream. Thank it's Judaism. a mess this morning. Mucus. It's, I'm a mess this morning. But anyways, the question for you yes. is, I like you're right. Let's hush down. Go ahead. You get on stage, because I have done stand-up before. Yeah. You get on stage, and there are so many different ways to go and yeah. so many different things to talk about. The one tip I've heard, and you can tell me I'm completely wrong, that I really have, have thought about myself is this idea, what are the things you're most angry about? And what, have the, what are the things you're most upset about is a good place to start in stand-up. Is that true? <laughs> For some people, it is. For some people, <laughs> Jackie Mason made a career. Then where do you start? What do you, when you you have a class there? Where do people start? Because there are people out there listening right now, like Matt Farah, who are going. I want to do stand up, mm-hmm. but I, I. How do I start? What do I do? Am I the type of comedian that writes? Am I a guy with a well, pad? There's, all, there's a million ways to attack so, it. So, teacher, yeah. tell us how to. Well, attack I would it. like. First of all, I would like you to <clears throat> write what you think would be. Three minutes of stand up and perform it, and then we talk okay. about that and like why you're talking about growing up in Tennessee or why you're doing a voice of like like Maria Bamford style, where she just kind of does voices in her head and of her parents and things like mm-hmm. that, and it's very almost avant garde what's happening on stage. So there's there's really not like oh everyone's got to be the guy with a you know a problem like. Jay Leno used to go on Letterman. I don't know yes, if you were Yes, I writing. remember that bit. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. What I used was to his watch. beef? What yeah, was what's it? my beef? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what my beef is. <laughs> yeah, so. But it's always good. Yeah, I but like that, that was definitely a point of like something that right. bugs you. That is, right, Or right. it could be something you love. Like, let me give you an example. I love, and I'll tell you right now, love Taco Bell. So I have a Taco Bell routine where I sort of make fun of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. But it's not like I hate it. It's not like I want. I No, I, I know. Yeah. But that's what I mean. It could be something you're passionate about yes. and love or passionate about and hate. Just as a it's starting basically point. you're learning about that person who's ever standing <clears throat> on stage, their worldview through their material. And then what do you think about comedians that are yeah. really opening up these days and really telling us the horrible, gory details? Well, that's of... been going on for a long time now. Right, right. I mean, Ferguson always did that, right? Craig Ferguson? I don't. I don't remember. He would always mine horrible his horrible drinking background. <laughs> no, I'm yeah. I'm talking about the bowel movements yep. and. <laughs> oh yeah, well people are yes, I know it's very explicit now. It's very explicit. You go to you go to the comic store there, yeah. or, and uh, what was that place on Sunset that used to the Laugh Factory? No, no, there was a, literally a comic book store that had a great. Kind of uh, open mic. Oh yeah, of the course, week. meltdown, meltdown, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're the incredible. first three comedians would just be talking about their bowel movements for 10 minutes. And I just, all right. And then Kamel Nanjani would come on and you'd go, holy shit. Well, that guy, yeah, he's a discovery, right? Yes, he is. Right. Yes, he is. But again, can I just circle back for one? Sure, I'm allowed sure. to circle. You are. Um, I also say that I can't, and no one can really teach <clears> another <throat> person to be funny. Like that's just an unteachable. It's like right. sort of teaching someone how to, draw or sing like you you Mm -hmm. have to be able to do it and you can get better and you can refine it and you can learn some but you can't you just can't teach someone to be funny it's just just that's (laughs) so have there been any discoveries in this class oh yeah yeah the first the very first class i taught there was this kid who like immediately got it and could do an impressions Mm -hmm. and and he's already uh paul feig is you directed a couple commercials with him really oh yeah 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 so and there's, you know, there's some people that are more like writers, <laughs> right? That like would write like maybe for like 
the onion like they mm-hmm. were good at that sort of parody or or satire so it's so for the most part it's it's fun i mean it's a little frustrating sometimes with people who just aren't passionate or don't care and just like oh, this will be an easy oh, yeah. a because <laughs> professor Federman. is it an easy a it is pretty easy a. <clears throat> yeah, you'll give them I an can't, a i'm not allowed to a grade on talent <clears throat> i fa- would I, I would imagine you fail somebody <clears throat> Only if they don't show up. Only that's the only way. Do you get a parking spot? No, that's a good. These they are don't all, make these, you. They don't all, let you park on campus. He's a USC grad. Right no, here. no, they. I have to pay for parking. In Can that you lot. get our kids into USC? Yes. Is that a you want to go? Is USC? <laughs> I want my kid to go. <laughs> for what? Why? Tell me why USC is. A, it's a top twenty-five school it is? now. When I went, yeah, it, was a, it was deal. Bums it's a like big me, deal. But it was a bum school. But now it's a big deal. Okay. What do you think changed? You and your comedy yeah, class. Yes, the Fetterman, <laughs> the Fetterman wing, Professor the Fetterman building. <laughs> I like that you call this an easy A. Like public speaking is the scariest thing people in the world do. I and you it, think but... going to class every day and talking in front of 20 strangers and trying to tell jokes is easy? Yeah. That's you start hard. Out, you start out with them getting up and saying their name for two minutes in it's front hard. of everybody. Yeah, no it's kidding. It's hard. And uh, – but – I, I, it's the interesting thing is I brought in guest speakers. I brought in Margaret Cho. I brought in Jeff She's Ross. Great. Wow. Both of them took a comedy class early on. They mm-hmm. did. Because I've always been very skeptical of comedy classes. Yeah. I always thought they were taught by people that weren't particularly funny. Right. And it was like, yes. go do mics and, you know, get hang out at the clubs and stuff. But Isn't, There is a place on Sunset or Santa Monica, that little storefront, that's a comedy school. <laughs> There Have is? See, yes. Yeah. Well, it's right near the Porsche dealership, right? Is that That's what it is? That's why you remember it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yes, you're right. I, I have seen... never seen a person going in and out of that place. It's a front. Yeah, I think it's a front for crack sales of or some kind. massage parlor. <laughs> but I, I've noticed that place. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Because <laughs> you're at a red light there, and I'm always looking at it going, huh, maybe I should, uh, maybe I should go in. This would be fun to learn. I would imagine there's so much that helps... Uh, just getting up and talking and writing something and then getting any – it's going to help get you – get, get feedback. It's just going to help you whatever you end up doing in life. So I you're, Yeah. So because you're, I find – You're endorsing this class. I am totally endorsing it. Stand because up Because it, it does work. I found, I found just doing this podcast has mm-hmm. helped me. You know, we were just – I was just on stage with Jerry and, and, Ma, and Monterey for this car thing. Yeah. And I, it was completely relaxed. I was like facing an hour of an interview, but I'm like, well, I do this all week long now. And th- and that's what I think that class will mm-hmm. do for people because it's a terrifying idea to get up that first time. It's terrifying just to speak in front of her. Right. Do you have a let mic- alone with the pressure of like I have to elicit laughs at. Do you have a microphone for them? Are yes. they they yeah, I okay. think we said that earlier, right? And is it a stand? So listening is part of this job, <laughs> just so you know. Well, I just want to be clear. <laughs> Anything that helps you. Is anybody- there a mic stand? Do yes. they have a stand? Yes, they do. So they learn how to relate to that. They learn about mic technique, about how to take it out, how to adjust this. I know this sounds silly. It sounds almost like ridiculous. Well, what is the way to take it out? It's the fundamentals. It's the fundamentals. Just so when they go up to a club, they're... Can I guess? All right. So when I walk out to the mic stand in your (laughs) class, right, do I want to grab the stand for a second while people are applauding, and then I want to pull the mic out? No, it's not that. Is that how it works? You you get to decide. (laughs) Do you want to leave the mic in the stand? Do you want to take it out? If you do take it out of the stand, you should maybe move the stand to the side. You don't have to. I've noticed. All right. We've got to take a break, right? Yes. Do we have to take a break? We're going to come back. All right. I've got so many questions about stand-up. I've got so many questions. I know we have to get to your podcast stuff. We'll be right back with Spike's Car Radio. 
If you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for, but what does it actually mean? The same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse everybody, even you, Zuckerman. All you're looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing True Price from True Car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories, before you even get to the dealership. True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of your home. And how do you know if your true price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for the same car you want. And your certified dealers know this, so they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. And here we are, we're back with Wayne Fetterman. I'm sorry, I've got lots of breaks, lots of sponsors, Zuckerman. And people, uh, I guess that's what keeps us in business, is selling these ads. We're talking about stand-up comedy. Have you noticed what I've noticed, which is... <laughs> that, 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 that question <clears throat> is a stand-up comedy trope? Yes. <laughs> that. Yes, I have noticed that. That um, comedians that stay around a long time, and uh-huh. I'm thinking of Jerry right now, that yeah. their act-outs get bigger and bigger. Oh, true. Have you noticed that? Tell what are your thoughts on that? Am I, I right? I don't. I don't. I have noticed that he is a little more effusive than he used to be. Right. Yeah. No question. But that might just be specific to him. Sebastian Maniscalco. But I feel like Sebastian isn't in this. I've been around as long as Jerry Seinfeld. But his act outs and his hand and his. But looks, he, I feel like he's always been done. I feel like that's always been his. His ability to get laughs on an eye, you know, is it's oh, amazing. He's all, that's all he does is act it's outs. That's all he's doing. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, but Jerry does more than act outs. <clears throat> Jerry's act outs are getting bigger, and his arms are moving <laughs> Giant more. Giant fan movements. Giant fan you know, movements. Could I, part of it might be that he's playing these big arenas now. Okay. As opposed to clubs. Now, why would that matter? Because maybe he wants to project the people in the back to see him doing the, you know. I'm funny. Do you know no, what? The, uh, what's the thing he does with the weather, the weather systems and all right. that stuff? Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I think it is just another way to grind laughs out of the audience. Grind. That they really <laughs> respond. Like he's using every inch of the act to get laughs. You know what he doesn't use? What's that? Profanity to right. get laughs. And props. Yeah. Yeah. So he's not using every inch of the act. But uh, this is not a put down in any way. It's it just, sounds like a little bit. No, I want I want <laughs> to learn how to do that. Like, is how important is the act out to the joke? Depends because because and, this, and I'm saying this because yeah. I'm a writer. I'm yeah. a guy who writes and thinks yeah. all the laugh is in the word. But I'm asking you this question, Professor. Yes. <laughs> how much laugh is in the act out? Well, again, every comedian doesn't act out. So I like that Wayne is getting upset. I don't know. Should I'm, I period. act out in my act? In a, way. Big, in a, a big way. I'd, I'd have to see the act and see what feels comfortable for you. Should I try it? Should I try the act out? Yeah, try the act out. Try it big. Try it small. I, To tell you the truth, unlike your observation... I feel like the more I do comedy, the smaller and more specific I get on stage. Uh huh. So it's very. So precise. you're going in a different direction. Almost sometimes I almost whisper. Someone told me um, it might have been Louis. He said, "Stay in the emotion after you oh, finish yeah. your joke. Stay yeah. in the emotion of your joke. So if you're very upset about it, right. keep that angry, upset look until the laugh." Comes that's and goes. Good, that's a good. I'm going to write that down. That's a good one, right? Yes, See, yeah. All right. There's one. Yeah, I'm learning something. There's one. Um, 
Jay Leno told me he's like, uh, write joke, tell joke, collect paycheck. Yes, he's very. But he's, just he's, tell he's, a joke, doesn't work. Move on to the next joke. Just keep moving on to jokes. Joke, 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 very, joke, he's joke, the joke, joke. Blue collarist of us all. Right, right. He is like, this is a job. This is easier than any other job that my buddies have to do. I'm thrilled to do it, and it's just going to be a job. Right. It's incredible. how does he memorize all that stuff? Like when you go out and you do stand up now. <laughs> How much time do you do? Do you do an hour? Do you do 30 minutes? It depends what's, hap- it depends what's happening. Sometimes I open for people, right. which I might do just half an hour, and then when I headline, it's between like 50 and an hour. So what I don't you- do much over an hour. So what is your process? Are you a writing guy? Are you just someone who can well, remember always, these things? Let me tell you, I always have <clears throat> this on me. That's a, That's flare a pen. pen. Flare pen. Oh, I don't know okay. if you're old enough. And unshoed <laughs> yeah, yeah, at yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like the ballpoint pen. Okay. And then I always have a piece of paper with some stuff on it that I'm just ideas that I write down. And then before I go on, I like kind of compile it and put it together. So you don't, you're not like uh, writing out no. joke word for word. Well, you're just not. a bullet point guy. Yeah. But you know who did write out jokes word for word? George Carlin. Yeah. George Carlin was <clears throat> almost, it was almost like a play with that guy. It was like specifically this word, this word. Where are those documents? Oh, at the National Comedy Center in Jamestown. <laughs> There's and, a com- National Comedy Center. NCC. <laughs> no, the NCC. It just NCC. opened up. It just opened up. Because Jamestown <laughs> is such a funny place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, tell us about it, please. I would like to know more about this place. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, all of what I'm saying is absurd because it's taking comedy so seriously when it's just basically telling jokes. What goes on at the National Comedy Center? Here it is. You're right. Had its, uh, just had its opening July 30th Jamestown where? Virginia? Ohio? A little place called New York. In Jamestown, Jamestown New York. York. Yeah, not far from Cooperstown. A series of special panels. Yeah. Why? Exactly right. Why is this in Jamestown, <laughs> New York? I can tell you that. That I can answer. Okay. It's because they used to have, that's where <laughs> Lucille Ball, I believe, was born or grew uh-huh. up. And there used to be a Lucille Ball... Festival. Like little music. Yes, a festival and a little museum there. Correct. And that's, I believe, they piggybacked on that. Well, they had an event with Amy Schumer and yes. Lily Tomlin, yep. Alan Zweibel, mm-hmm. Brent Drescher. Do you, you know Alan? He's a fellow writer. I know writer. who he is. I'm a fan of his, but he was gener- or generations before me, I think, mm-hmm. on SNL. Yep. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Let me tell you what else is there. Okay. Jim Gaffigan hologram. What? <laughs> Wait, there's a you didn't hol- think you were going to hear that today when you woke <laughs> no. up, did you? This is at the National Comedy Center? Yeah. There's a Jim Gaffigan hologram where he literally does stand up for you. With Tupac. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. How it all all right. Well, I'm going to reserve judgment until I get to Jamestown, New York someday to go see this. Um, boy, that's really weird. That's really weird. I've always had such a weird uh, time accepting people seriously talking about comedy like we're doing I know. Today. It's, I don't know. You're Museums the one keeps... of comedy. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't quite How funny get could the it. museum be? Huh? Right. What? How funny well, could I the museum be? I think of how much I hate car museums. Right. I, but they're up there with things I hate painful. in the life in world. You feel it, like Peterson is painful. Um, I look, I support everything they're doing. I, I like the folks that are doing it. And have you been in the basement? <clears throat> I have been that's involved. That's the best part. That's that's and that's for folks like. who have not. I just what I'm saying you is, just I just pre- said you hated car museums. I do. I'd rather see cars in motion. So, oh, okay. you know, it's a weird thing to say. I'm not a big fan what of about car it? shows on lawns or museums. What about it? But the, the Peterson, Bob's I love Big what they, Boy. What about the Bob's Big but Boy? But I want to clarify the Peterson because I know a lot of folks out there. <laughs> I know. I can see you're backtracking. <laughs> from, I'm backtracking. He's but, literally moonwalking right now. 
that serves a purpose for people who aren't really car people who go there and they okay. see a lot of stuff that they don't normally see. Like so I, I love that. Yeah. My kids used to go. We used to take them there every couple of weeks when they were very young. It's an amazing place for them. It's just not for me because I, I drive these cars. I got you. I guess it's a little different, right? So yeah. that's what I mean. It's just not something I do. A hate's a little too strong of a word, I guess. Well, you, right? I, I'm just quoting you. <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know if it's strong or not. Strong. Anyway, where I was were we surprised talking? that you said that. That's all. Well, no, I, it, I, I don't think I'm alone when I say, look, at National Comedy Museum, uh, okay, whatever it is, but or would I rather go down the street and watch you do stand up? Oh, I, see. I think I would rather do that. Oh, would I rather get you. in a car and drive? Yeah, or see a car go by? I'd rather do that. Museums aren't, I guess, really my thing. You sure you don't want to see Victor Borga's piano <laughs> bench? That I would do. <laughs> it's there with the seatbelt. It's there. I used to write Victor Borga jokes on what? Letterman when I was a writer for David Letterman. Tell me. Yes, I do. <laughs> I feel like Victor Borga is one of the great forgotten comedians. Already. I would write jokes about, because then it was ironic. So, you know, you'd write about Victor Borga oh, and if you were mail letter or Nipsey Russell's in yeah, a jetpack, yeah, 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 which yeah. I once did. I like that. I like that. that uh, <laughs> by the way, that never aired. I don't know what it paid off, but I just remember the, the way into it was we don't have that, but ladies and gentlemen, how about Nipsey Russell in a jetpack? Yeah, and that's then great. Nipsey Russell in a fake jetpack would fly over the. And we pre taped it, and Dave was really upset about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was a different generation and knew how great Nipsey Russell was. By the way, so did I. I grew yeah. up watching him. But he just said, I can't, I can't do this to this man. It feels like you're mocking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So every week I would try to get it in the show until he asked me to stop <laughs> about six months later. But it really was a beautiful image to see Nipsey Russell in a jetpack. <laughs> anyway, let's, let's, let's get to your podcast before we run out of time. Okay. Tell me, tell me what we've got here. We've got a six-episode limited series podcast called The History right. of Stand-Up. I'm going to just check my phone just because I'm not sure of the name of the – Network it's on and all of that stuff. I just oh, want to make sure. It's obviously on Apple Podcasts, the iTunes, I assume, right? Something called CastBox, Stitcher, and Spotify. All right. Okay, yeah, and sorry. this is Wayne Fetterman. You're yeah. going to be our I'm, host. Yeah, I'm with a, a young comedy nerd who's like maybe 25 years younger than I am. Mm -hmm. Maybe, yeah. And uh, he's sort of like acts as the student. He also produces the podcast. Mm -hmm. And named Andrew Steven. And... Um, we he, we just talk about the the history of comedy. We start in vaudeville, stand. Excuse me, the history of stand up. Okay, different than the history of comedy. The history of comedy might include Lucille Ball. Right, we don't talk about her. Might even include Greek tragedies. Exactly, <laughs> the masks. Uh, <laughs> we, we may go way back. So, so the stand up starts in in the vaudeville years. Well, I mean, the word stand. We start with the word stand up. Actually, was coined in the late forties, and then so we kind of go from there to. Today, okay. like literally what's happening right now. And do you have guests on this podcast? We do a little bit, but it's mainly myself and Andrew. Like we've had Judd has already done an episode. Judd Apatow. Yeah, and he's helped us <clears throat> a little bit. And uh, and he's really a historian of stand-up, yes, right? Yes, he is. He he's started like as me. a kid, right? Mm. Very much. Even, I tell you, on even on a higher level than I am, because he... And you know the story is like a high school kid. He pretended he worked for a radio station and, and interviewed around, Seinfeld yeah. and Leno and uh, <laughs> Shanling and all these guys. And they go on cassette like, tapes, right? Yeah, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah. So we, wow. I mean, he's been at it for so long. It's, now he's a, he's an example. He's yes. a profile in courage for me because there's me. a guy, yeah, writer, it. director, yes. You know, people know who he is, and then he decides he's going to go out and be a stand-up comedian. Yeah. He's going to do it. And I just so you know, I opened for him on the road, so I'm very close to his process wow. and what he does. And So what did he do? 
he he just faced the fear because everybody's going to applaud for him in that first minute, but yeah, then they're going to go. You get about a minute. What do you got? Well, he uh, if you think about the Apatow Empire, right? It's all <laughs> from a single seed of he loves stand ups. Wanted to be around stand-ups, interviewed stand-ups, mm-hmm. became a young... I don't know, do you remember when he did it the first time around? No. Yeah, he he was on the HBO Young Comedian special. He did wow. rather well. Um, and then all of a sudden he became the like head writer of or creator of uh, Ben Stiller's show. Right. And then he was like, okay, I'm going to be this writer guy now. And <clears throat> became a director guy. You know, and then at one point it was like when they were shooting Trainwreck, Amy Schumer... Like said, why don't you go up at the cellar? You love this so much, and that was the start of it. And wow, he, yeah. Are you his like st- stand-up whisper? A little. Are bit. you the guy who calls up and goes, "What do you think of this?" <laughs> he, he is. Uh, his, needless to say, he has very uh, finely attuned instincts. Yeah. For, for comedy. But that doesn't matter yeah. a lot, though. That no, doesn't know. really matter when no, you're on good. stage. Yeah, I'm more of a sounding board <clears throat> than like right, oh, yeah, right, yeah, just. You just need somebody to bounce stuff off of, and I can go like maybe switch that order or something. But he he's the genius behind his genius. So you do an hour with him on this podcast. Yeah, but it's not like that. It's not like all of it's not. It's not his process. It's the history. It's the history, and then we may drop in a few things that he says about he was a, he loved the Marx Brothers when he was a kid. So we talked too, about right. them and how that transitioned <clears throat> into stand up and Burl and Bob Hope and. So it's just fascinating. I mean, it's just I've always been a nerd about stand-up, and so this is my podcast. Kind of, Who would you say is the first stand-up guy? I would say right now, <laughs> and again, question. no one knows, but there was a guy named Frank Fay who was <laughs> – Fay, <laughs> funny as hell. Frank Fay, <clears throat> right. who uh, at the, the, the pinnacle in vaudeville was this place called the Palace in New York City. Like, you could play the Palace. It would be the equivalent of – being on Letterman or being on the Ed Sullivan show or now having a Netflix special. Mm-hmm. It was like the thing, direct from the palace. So that was like the hardest booking. And he created, and you used to be comedians. I'm sure you've seen them. They were like in baggy pants and big ties and thing and hitting each other. He was the first <laughs> one to be like, I'm going to be in a suit and I'm going to be just like a kind of a smart aleck guy introducing the acts. Like they used to have those cards up for vaudeville, or just so he became the MC, and in between the acts, he would kibitz with the crowd, and if it was bad, he would get the crowd back up, and it like, and everyone's like, "This is a new thing. This is just a guy in a suit." Wow. And who who saw him was this was Bob Hope, and Bob Hope's like, "Oh, I'm a song and dance man. Maybe I should try to do just this," and that really became what we know as. A, Stand-up. Is there any? But there's other people that were kind of like messing around with it <clears throat> before Frank Fay. Can you go on YouTube and find? No, he, you he can't. Kind of looks a, like uh, Brian Cranston with yeah, an old timey haircut. You can't find. There's no. Believe me, there's no like Material. Re- recording of his set. We have a recording of Milton Berle in 1936 <laughs> at the Winter Garden Theater doing stand-up. So that's all. You know, that's only a dozen years or so after Fay created it. It's pretty good. He it's was pretty... married to Barbara Stanwyck. Oh yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. He was a horrible guy. Three man, <laughs> yeah, I, I, three I'm marriages. Being... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one child. Uh, Francis Anthony Donner was is, his real is name. Is the child alive? I, I don't know. No, he has a horrible reputation, as he should. Business. Right? Yeah. He died at sixty nine in Santa Monica. Oh my god! <laughs> Look at this. 
Wow. Does I've never even it? heard of this guy. This, what does it say? Because you're reading this. Does it say? Does it all agree with Fetterman? Uh, Fetterman also, there was a, there was an African- He was comedian. Catholic. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Right. There's that Irish Catholic funny guy. Faye was a notorious for his bigotry and alcoholism. <laughs> I'm uh, saying. Right from the, from the taproot itself. <laughs> the Irish, the mean Irish drunk. Yeah, yeah. Even when sober, he was dismissive and unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> and he was disliked by most of his contemporaries. This was written by Barbara Stanwyck. <laughs> Uh, he later <laughs> fell into obscurity because of his abrasive personality and fascist political yes. views. Oh, this doesn't sound like a funny guy. He, he should be in But the what does it say at the very beginning? What does it say at the very that beginning? That was his early life. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's what it refers to him mostly. <laughs> yeah, um, but you're right. Uh, it doesn't, you know, this is just Wikipedia. But, yeah, but, yeah. But, 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 he, yeah. He has a bad reputation. Remember, we're going we're gonna to write history. Yeah, here's, here's some of that stuff. Well, according to actor and comedian Milton Berle, Faye's friends could be counted on missing an arm of the one-armed man. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Faye was a drunk and anti-Semite. <laughs> and a wife beater. <laughs> you win, guys. And uh, Barbara Stanwyck had to endure all of that. Yeah. Why, There's why not like much you? about this. <laughs> All of a sudden, he's your favorite yeah. comic. <laughs> yeah. We're now fans of Frank, Frank Faye. Faye. Frank, now I like Frank Faye. Fan club. Now we, I feel like we should be doing a story on Frank Faye. Let's write. Why don't we call Judd Apatow? The do history the... of Frank Faye. <laughs> the fascist. The, Get out of my way, the Jew. fascist wife-beating <laughs> anti-Semite. Clear, clear the stage, Jew. I got to make people laugh. Oh, is, that your, is that your Irish voice? I don't know. No, I don't know what he sounds like. Yeah, I know, and he's Irish, and here he is doing that stuff. Well, yeah. this is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So it's we have we, we do all of that kind of stuff, and there's, uh, uh, you know, and then if we we're gonna do one season of six, and then hopefully the next season we'll really do like a deep dive, like into maybe the Borscht Belt or. You know, what happened at, you know, the birth of the improv or something like that. Wow. Very exciting. Yeah, it is. Quite a career here. I'm looking here. It says 160 IMDb credits. That's total. That's total. That's self. And you, that's everything. And you that's... were head monologue writer for Jimmy Fallon in 2009. Yeah, we had a very similar thing. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and was that? But, that's the late night show, yeah, right? Yeah, that's when he launched the late night show. I, was, wow. I, I came in with him as well. Wow. And so wait, so I know that position very well. You I do. used to be a monologue writer for Is that what you did? David Letterman. <laughs> and you did Jay monologue. Leno. But I wasn't the head guy. Oh yeah. I was... So what was your process there? Would you come in in the morning? There are a couple, you know, cuz Jay Leno used to get everybody together the night before mm-hmm. for the Tonight Show and yeah. they'd write till 10 o'clock. What was your process for for Mine Jimmy's monologue? Mine was we get pre- premises out, went out the night before. Okay. And then And what were those? Were those based on the news or Totally based on the news. We went to like five mm. different sites. There was like the you know, the obscure news or the quirky news right. like the dog got in a fight with a snake or you know, that kind of thing. And then obviously you have to do the political stories right. and then the big show business stories, just whatever's in the big sports, Super Bowl, anything like that. And then you uh so and then so comedian I mean the writing staff and we had like maybe six people. Including Anthony Jeselnik, right. Morgan Murphy, like wow. we had a really there's, uh, and uh, so. Uh, but Jeremy did you write? Did, did you write these jokes together? Is it no, no, no? Everyone wrote them? individually. <clears throat> okay, and then they sent them to me, and then I would cull them down, bring them into Jimmy. He would say, "I like these," or "This is it," or this "I like right around eleven o'clock in the morning." Yeah, or, about or, noon. Yes, right. Okay. That was our first thing, and then and, we, it, and how many jokes did you want? 
per writer, would you say? 20, 25, it or didn't it, you know, didn't I matter? was very, you know, this is the first time I had done that job. So I was very, like, like Morgan Murphy would not write a lot of jokes, but right. she, she had a super high <clears throat> percentage of getting jokes yeah, on. Yeah, right. So I'd rather have her perfect a joke than someone <clears throat> just, like, right spit out a bunch of stuff but uh and then ultimately jimmy would pick them and then do yeah them. we actually did it through uh to audiences before it was like uh i know what do you mean a lot of work there it was, was a-, a lot of work the um we would have like the crowd the tours that would come through you would, would go hey do you want to see a, a monologue crowd. yeah and, and jimmy just, would do it and then he, with a piece of paper and just check the ones he liked and like wow. let's rework this one a little bit and then we put them on cards and that was it Wow. Pressure. No, yeah, it was a lot of pressure. What I, that's great, what I, though, but it you've was got very an audience exciting. that can laugh at it It was very first. exciting, but to tell you the truth, <clears throat> I got I got kind of burnt out at it. I don't know what your experience was. It's a burnout job. Yeah, yeah. And also, I couldn't... I know you were talking about it earlier, if I may, again, circle back, that even though I was doing stand-up, I was so tired at the end of the day that... I didn't even want to, like, <clears throat> right, be up right. late hanging yeah. out doing stuff. No, I know what you mean. Because I had, you had to get a, up. You, get, you intimately get to know news cycles, too, yeah. right? Yeah. And so if you hit on a Bill Clinton, you might be writing Bill Clinton jokes for six months, five days a week, right? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen a, a political cycle dominate like the one that we're in right now, where it is just well, every night you're writing jokes about yeah politics i've never seen one this i mean long. i would assume during the the clinton impeachment there was Lewinsky. there were the there Lewinsky, were i would assume there were a lot but it i i remember that would not dominate politics would not dominate the whole monologue you right. know usually i think it, we're in a different place now i really right, do. i think right. we're in a different place of like now the hosts you know the political leanings of the hosts right that was something right. that wasn't even letterman <clears throat> i mean he used to make yeah. a lot of clinton jokes and you were like and no, then only there later, were, there were never. I never sensed on it with any of these guys. There were political leanings. Right. I, I sensed that these were the people getting in trouble, and we were we were making fun of those people wherever they were. Like you know, yeah. there was never any like, hey. Uh, although there was, what? we used to make Ted Kennedy jokes oh, a yeah. lot on, on Letterman, <laughs> and then we had. I remember right outside my office, there were some interns there, and we had this intern uh, who was the writer's intern. Right. And then one day she came up to me. She goes, "Hey, can I talk to you for a second? Close the door." And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." She goes, "Look, uh, Ted Kennedy's been calling a lot." It's <laughs> <laughs> <said>, what? <laughs> she goes, "I go." Hi. She goes, "He's a family friend." And now I'm like doing all the math very quickly. Like, did he get her on this show as an intern? Right. He's like. He goes, is there anything you can do to not write uh, Ted Kennedy jokes? He's, he feels like you've made too many jokes about him, right? And and That's I was amazing. so freaked out over that. And I said, I'm not in charge of anything on this right. show. I'm just a writer. But was if Chef you, there? He, Chef wasn't there yet. Okay, okay. But if you want to share this with Dave, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's it, incredible. It, it, yeah, but, but I always felt that this job you're talking about yeah. for Jimmy Fallon is we were going through the newspapers and looking for that dopey person who did something yeah. reluctantly kind of stepped in it, right? right and then right, we right. were going to go after them. It was never like, let's go after the Republicans. <laughs> let's go after the de- – that, that's a liberal leaning. That's a political leaning is what you're talking about. I feel I like that's – I thought it was like – and that, to your point, yeah. Bill Clinton is going to get it just as much as Trump would get it from Dave. 
right? No, no question, no question. But I feel that like now yeah. it's a little different <clears throat> because. But but isn't that because the people who really are stepping in it are all on one side at this point? But it's I mean, it, re- it reveals <clears throat> the, it reveals who the comedian is. It reveals what their political leanings are at this point. No, it be, believes which... it believes where the fodder for the jokes are. That's all. That's all it. That's all it tells me. I don't me. know. When I saw, like, it's like, how are you going to go out and write jokes about, like, you know, I don't know who am I? Who am I going to think of right now? Uh, Kamala Moore. Harris. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> what right. did she do this week? They go, can you believe? Right. Well, because obviously. the setup for the joke is what's funny about it, right? And that's what you're always looking for. Look, I mean, obviously we're in some weird. I mean, just the word presidential, like, doesn't even presidential behavior is like is now has been widened. To a degree yeah, where it's but when what to be like this Frank guy Faye. is doing and what these other people yeah. are doing, this the the laugh is in the setup. <laughs> you go, yeah. hey, you know what he said this week? You've already you're already you're halfway right, right. there. You don't even have to write the joke. So I always get a little. I always look at somebody kind of cocky when I go. Well, so the political leanings. There's no political leaning there. This is just where the comedy uh, is. fuel is right now, right? And. Uh, and that, you know, that can be anything that really, like you said, it can be the weird news or any of these other places that we go. Look, it's just that we're we've, we've got this political cycle that's dominating right now and all the insanity is happening there. And that's where the comedy lives. Not, right? No question. No question. Right. No question. I don't know. Anyway. Fascinating. I could talk no. about comedy all day, Zuckerman. Mm-hmm. And what bothers me is he doesn't get free parking. I'm still, who, who doesn't? Uh, Fetterman, Professor Fetterman, Fetterman. Professor Fetterman. At USC. Yeah, it is surprising. Yeah. It is surprising. I was surprised at yeah. that. Yeah, <clears throat> cheap. I they think that's a zillion inc- dollar endowment if Fetterman has to pay for parking. It's $12. Right. It's $12. Not but right. Now I've learned. Per yeah. class? Well, it's a huge deal to be teaching at this school. Oh, okay. I mean, I still think they should give him parking. They absolutely should. But I mean, I want. You Don't, I mean, do you really not know this? Everybody where we live, we all want our kids to go to this school. Like I had this, no idea. Really? I really had. I, I mean, I thought it was. I, but didn't Spielberg okay. teach there too? Is it? Yeah, well, okay, first of all, <laughs> you have got to see compared Lucas to did. the school of dramatic arts is just like these little classrooms with black boxes and chairs. Correct. It's like, yeah. Yes. You go to the school of cinema arts, it's, it's like. Deluxe. No, no, it's literally you're like watching like the Coliseum or something. These buildings, these huge, there's the Spielberg building, there's the Lucas building. It is as ornate. I think you're the future of that school, oh, my friend. Let's I don't think, I do not think people are watching movies anymore. The cinematic <laughs> arts don't exist. Let's go to his building and tag it, the Federer building. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm telling thing. you, I want to come to the class. Could I sit, in, sit on one? 100%. I would love to. Let's go. 100%. I would love to learn. I really do want to learn. I know you do feel, Stand up. I know. I feel like you're being sincere. I want I'm to very see the, sincere. I want the history. I just want to. Or Frank Faye. Frank Fay, hey, Frank right. Fay for sure is someone we need to open up. Do you up know who Toady Fields is? Yes, Baby I do. Heard the name. Yeah, see? Didn't she have a leg removed? Yes, she did. Right? Yeah, yeah. she kept doing her act. And she had diabetes. Mm-hmm. Well, she was, was uh, overweight. That was her. Like, <laughs> that was her. I'm so overweight. I had my leg cut off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now it sounds terrible. <laughs> now I'm gonna bring out a fascist <laughs> Irish man who everybody hates. I can see people leaving. You should all just get out of here, Frank Fay, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the great Frank Fay. The great, the, the man who created stand-up comedy. The man who created stand-up comedy. But in a way, now he that hates you're the Jews. It. He hates the blacks. He hates everybody. But he's on a ten. Wife, <laughs> and there is your archetype for a successful exactly. comedian. In a way, it, it is sort of <laughs> miserable, hateful, <laughs> <It's> miserable. <laughs> well, we're all 
We're, we're all very happy you came on today oh and my told God. us about I Frank Faye. <laughs> because that, I can tell right now, Zuckerman, you and I are going to go on a deep dive for Frank Faye for the next Here's two weeks. Frank Faye stroke. Yeah. <laughs> We're, no, I uh, would love to. I don't think there's any. I mean, there's, he did a several <laughs> movies, and sometimes he's emceeing in the movies, but it's very short. No biography? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, he was really reviled, and, you know. He was wonderful. also an it's actor, hard. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Said. Yeah. And he was a singer. It was like, I don't know. That's that's the guy that Bob Hope points to is the one who was like, oh, you can do this as opposed to being a song and dance man or, you know, and... And there was, but there's another guy, like Charlie Case and Tannen, that that dude. So there was a lot at the time. And some people, um, do you know? Remember the comedian Rich Scheidner? <laughs> I do. Okay, Rich yes. Scheidner, who's also com- comedy nerd from way back. He even traces it further. He goes back to uh, Mark Twain and a guy named Artemis Ward <laughs> in the 1800s. But there's no. <clears throat> Footage of these. Right. Guys. There's no Don't way of knowing. Right, here's one they, last. What? Let me hear. Let me hear. Okay. So funny. <laughs> Milton Berle, who was Jewish, uh, claimed to have hit Faye in the face <laughs> with a stage brace because Faye, once seeing Berle on the side of the stage watching his act, called out, "Get that little Jew bastard!" <laughs> <laughs> I think that was his closer. <laughs> that was his closer. Shortly before his death, Faye was declared legally incompetent. <laughs> oh, he died at 69. He's buried at the Calvary Cemetery in Los Angeles. Where's that, Zuckerman? Do you have Let's any look idea? it up. Let's go. Let's make a pilgrimage. It's not where they show those movies on the weekend. It's Cinespa. No, that's Hollywood forever. Yes. No, let's, uh, let's go there. Is the Jewish the, the Jewish? This is East LA. Club. He's buried in East LA. Is he? Right where he your wants to be. We should. <laughs> well. Wayne, it's been a lot of fun it having has you been here, my fun. friend. Fun. Um, we've got to tell everybody to check out your podcast, which I believe is launching soon, History of Stand-Up. Starts Tuesday. Six. What's today? Oh, I don't even, when does this? I don't know. This should okay, air very okay. soon. We'll put it up there. Yeah, yeah, you guys yeah. got to check it Sorry. out because Wayne is obviously funny, talented, and if you're a student at USC, take this class. <laughs> don't be afraid like you Spike. Have to, you know you have to go through a class to get to my class. You can't just take it. Without go through, through all the classes, one. you got to go through level one and learn. This is uh, it's an important skill set to learn. It's like the toast. Forget about Toastmasters. Take right, Wayne's class and learn how to communicate on stage. It'll be very useful in life, even if you're not a stand-up. Zuckerman, what do you have to say for yourself? I got nothing other than other than <laughs> Frank Faye's on my mind for the rest of the day. And, I'm in love. And with don't Frank tell, Faye. don't do not tell Seinfeld that uh, that, that we got the blue. That Porsche, we've got the, the blue, blue car. We, I'm not a part of it, but I would like to be a part of it. I'm Spike First, and you can uh, catch up with me on Instagram at Spike First, and that's where I will respond to you. I love you all, and I will see you next week on Spike's Car Radio. Thanks for listening to Spike's Car Radio. Download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app, or subscribe now. Now at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. The Lakers are officially here on the official Lakers podcast on Podcast One Sportsnet. Join Emmy Award-winning sports reporter Susie Schuster and co-host Aaron Larsoul as they discuss the Lakers news of the day and break down the upcoming season with some of the biggest guests around, including Shaq, Magic, and the new king of L.A., LeBron James. Check out the official Lakers podcast every week on Podcast One Sportsnet or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.